Hello, White Sox fans. It is Crystal O'Keefe with episode 21 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by the Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have my dear friend, baseball extraordinaire and main talent over at Southside Sox, Tommy Barbie. He is here to talk about the Marlins because he is our Southeast correspondent. <laughs> Very so, accurate. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, Tommy. Please, um, if you have anything to add on to your introduction. No, um, thank you very much for having me. I always love getting the opportunity to talk with you, and um, it's fun to talk about other teams besides the White Sox. So let's do it. <laughs> I love this podcast because I can hear um, about better teams all the time. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so we have a very wild National League East kind of like a funny place right now everyone's going to live in the shadows of atlanta we just kind of we just know that um as we're recording the marlins are in second just above my other team the mets um and again three and a half games back while we're recording so i will admit i don't pay a ton of attention to the marlins aside from like you know the wonderful gm and the very cute and fun mascot yes so what is going on in miami (laughs) Um, It has been an interesting season because the Marlins, I would say, are are better in some ways than people expected, but worse in other ways. Um, And by that, I mean, it's actually been uh, an old acquaintance that you'll know, Jorge Soler, that is leading the Marlins offense, which I don't think anybody would have seen coming. Um, He has 17 home runs right now. He's really... um, doing basically better than he's done at any point in his career other than that breakout season in Kansas City. And he's doing really well. But then on the flip side, uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr. has been hurt pretty much most of the year, so he hasn't really had a chance to get going. And even on the pitching side, guys like Sandy Alcantara has been bad. And I can't believe i'm saying that like here's the guy that's like your automatic cy young candidate year in and year out and his era is over five so it's um it's been an interesting place where it's like you know you're feeling pretty good because there have been kind of these breakouts but the guys that you expect to perform haven't really done that yet yeah do you think do you think jazz got like the mlb show curse that's yeah i I mean that's I, I hate admitting to curses, but there's no other explanation because, I mean, even for somebody that's been injured in the past, like this is a level of injuries that we haven't seen from him before. Yeah. And, he, and then it's a bummer because he's so much fun. Like I was excited yeah. when he got the cover and my son was like, oh my gosh, I have to have that now. So I was like, well, you can wait until Easter, Easter Bunny. <laughs> And I was excited for him this year, too, because they have a new manager with Skip Schumacher. And, you know, a lot of the issues that were happening in the clubhouse last year, both was in terms of just like the lack of veteran presence in the clubhouse, but also just Jazz and and Don Mattingly could not have been two more different people. And, you know, Skip Schumacher seems to let all the players kind of be themselves and embraces that aspect of it. So they have really done well in that new clubhouse setting, it feels like. 
So you had a Tony Larusa, Tim Anderson situation. It, it was it was like that. Yeah, I, the difference was that there was like at least some sustained winning that was happening. <laughs> fair, fair. So the Marlins, I mean, they were really bad last year. They were one of the yes. worst teams in 2022. But again, like they're in second place. They're above, you know, the Mets, who we thought would be really hot. For sure. Obviously, no one's going to kind of beat Atlanta right now. But I mean, it was there. Do you think it was a change to the manager that really helped them? Or like what kind of changed for Miami? Uh, change in manager, I think, was a huge part of it. Um, also, Kim Ang has done a really great job at adding um, veteran presence uh, like Luis Arias um, to kind of help bolster the credentials of the team and put in some leaders where you have guys that have been a part of winning cultures and winning organizations and kind of brought that to the table. Um, I think that also it it gives that sense of optimism where like, yes, they're in second place and the guys that you expect to perform aren't even performing yet. So there's that kind of optimism where it's like, all right, if everybody kind of gets it together, there could be really something um, special happening here, um, especially with teams like the Mets and the Phillies kind of struggling in the NL East. Yeah. I would like the Mets to stop struggling sometimes yes. more than the White Sox this year, but <laughs> whatever. Um, so, and we talked about Sandy already. Mm-hmm. What do you think that issue is to why he's had such a bad start? No one can figure it out. Um, it has been like the strikeouts have still largely been there. I've watched games where he's been just like spot on pinpoint control and he'll just have a flat inning where it's like you know three four runs and that's his game and um so it hasn't been just like the out and out bad that you sometimes see where pitchers just kind of fall off this has been someone that is running just fine but i don't know if it's you know just concentration or focus when the pressure kind of gets on that he's starting to falter a little bit but that has been um, probably one of the bigger surprises uh, this year. Yeah, because going into this season, I think everyone was really hyped about him. I know over For on sure. pitcher list, Nick was constantly saying like, oh, this is going to be such a breakout year for him. He's going to be so great. And then he just kind of fumbled the bag in the worst way in my yeah. Head. Yeah, I mean, the good thing for Miami is that uh, they do have their number one prospect up in um, the majors right now in Iri Perez, and he has been everything that all the folks hyped about him coming into the season. So um, it's nice when you can find the pitching elsewhere, but in general, just like top to bottom, all their pitching has been good but not great. And, And that's really where I think... Um, they probably have the most opportunities to improve. I feel like that's the White Sox way, though, we're pitching. It is. Good. Yeah. It could be better. It could be better. Yeah, I mean, there's um, a strange amount of similarities between the, the White Sox and the Marlins. I think the one difference is, you know, the win-loss record, of course. But there's that similar level of young talent starting to get it together and then they have the veteran guys that are there to kind of help bridge the gap until the rest of the young talent is ready so you know that they're about a year or two away from seriously competing but the fact that they are where they are 
there, you know, I could see a case for um, making a push for, for the playoffs. Yeah, we actually, we talked about this with the White Sox, um, the last Southside Sox podcast that was recorded, and Zach Hayes, mm-hmm. the point of where, you know, Dylan Cease, it took him like 300 innings before he really yeah. figured it out. And Michael Kopech is starting to reach that mark. Of, For sure. You know, so many innings and he's figuring it out. So, yeah, it is really similar because these, these young guys on both teams are figuring it out. So, but I feel like the Marlins probably will be a contender before the White Sox. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> my pet. So do you see the Marlins still sitting, you know, second come July or maybe maybe even again in September? Or do you think like the Mets or Phillies might surpass them? I would be shocked if the Mets don't put it together. I know that they have been really um, not performing well at all, but just with the amount of talent that they have on their roster and the amount of depth that they have, that's a team that I, I, I think should be up there. But I think what will end up happening with the NL East is that it'll probably be very similar to the AL East where you have multiple teams kind of looking at that wild card spot opportunity and going for it from that perspective. So I know that, you know, things are kind of crazy in the national league in general, where all the teams are seemingly performing well. Um, But I think that they have a very good chance at really um, at least sticking around to second place on the NLE side. Yeah, that's fair. I know the Mets have some things to look forward to because it did just kind of come out that Edwin Diaz might not be out for the rest of the year. It could be like, you know, September, he could play the last month. But yeah, I mean, ideally they would put it together before then. But who knows? They've they have been severely underperforming it's like Pete Alonzo and Mark Canna and that's that's it that's been about it yeah the roster (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I mean the thing with the Marlins too is that they they mostly have been beating up on bad teams like you know a lot of their record if you look at their wins they're against teams that you expect teams to beat so that's why it'll be an interesting matchup with the White Sox because I think it'll be a good test for the White Sox number one and number two, I think it's really good to see how the Marlins can do against a team that's playing well right now, like the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't been able to beat the Mets consistently. They haven't been able to beat a lot of their division rivals or other teams. And that's really what's prevented them from um, getting any better in terms of their win-loss record. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you have an MVP candidate for the Marlins? You know, if you've, if you've got to pick somebody today to submit, do you, do you have one? It's got to be Jorge Soler, which is weird okay. to say, but yeah. I mean, he... <laughs> <laughs> I've never known him to be great. No, but I mean, you know, there have been other guys that have been really good. Like, Luis Arias has been really good. His OPS plus is 150, but like, Jorge Soler... Hitting 17 home runs, driving in 36, also has an OPS plus of 132. Like he has been, um, it's like all the stars have aligned um, in terms of his performance thus far. And I, I would say a very close second place would be uh, the aforementioned Yuri Perez, because I think just as a rookie in five starts, he's been just lights out. Yeah, he's been. I, I, too, I have too many podcasts, but he is <laughs> an underdog on another show that I co-host. Um, my co-host, Justin, 
mm-hmm. pitch pod has picked him for his underdog because yeah, he came up and he it felt it felt like he lit a fire under everybody's asses. He was like a yeah. new, fresh face in there. So, but on the other end, like who are you putting up on the trading block? Like do you, again, do you think they're going to be buyers, sellers? Are we trading off some talent? I think they're buyers because they have a they don't have a ton of depth from the position player side. Like a lot of their uh, top tier prospects are all pitchers, so they have the opportunity to deal from a position of strength um, by trading away some of their top pitching prospects and getting a nice return out of that. Um, I think that would be the way forward because there's always a market for young starting pitching. Um, and they'll be able to kind of supplement some of the talent that they have on their lineup by treat going that direction. Cause I think they have, they have a lot of good hitters. They don't have a ton of power. Um, so if you look at the home runs, like from Jorge Soler to the next batter, it, there's a quite a drop off in terms of power that they have right now. So that would be something that I could see them looking at as like an opportunity to kind of bring someone in that's on an expiring contract that can help contribute um, to the lineup. Yeah, that's good to know. So we're going to take just a very quick break to pay bills, and then we will be back to talk about this series. Let's go. And we are back. Willow had to make sure she was heard before we went to break. So, you know, that's that's (laughs) So this upcoming series, right now we're recording, we are, the White Sox are playing the Yankees. Wouldn't be surprised if they get swept. The Yankees yeah. are good. Although yeah. there has been talk that Aaron Judge might not be in this series, which still wouldn't really help, to be completely honest, because their pitching is phenomenal. Um, it's and they, one less home run that they give up per game. So yeah. That's- <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're they're dealing with Lucas, which is great, but they also have mm-hmm. Lance Lynn, which is not great. Not so, so yeah, great right now. The Marlins will get some actual decent pitching because I know Kopech has been on a tear lately. Yes. Um, and then they'll probably bounce back to Giolito and you might get Cease. I can't remember exactly what the order is right now, but like they'll get decent pitching at least. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel going into the series, you know, as the Marlins? I feel pretty good just because the Marlins, um, even though they haven't been pitching to the level that most folks expected, all of their pitchers are strikeout pitchers. So like they don't give up a ton of home runs. They don't give up a ton of walks. They are all averaging anywhere between eight to 12 strikeouts per nine. So, I mean, I, I think if you look at, some of the White Sox lineup, depending on how they do against this Yankee series, like that's going to be a to me a telltale sign on how guys like Luis Robert does against their pitching, um, especially with like the outside uh changeups, curveballs, anything of that nature. Uh same for Aloy. You know, those are all guys that tend to struggle with the outside off-speed pitches, and they feast on staying in the strike zone at the beginning of the at-bat and getting you out with one of their, you know, outside pitches. And I think that could be a difficult point for, for the White Sox lineup. Um, you know, in terms of the Sox pitching, I could see Kopech just kind of running through this lineup without issue. Um, but 
for guys like Lynn who haven't had the quality of stuff that you'd normally like to see, or even a guy like Cease who can struggle with his command. I think those are two tougher um, opportunities for the White Sox. Do you think they can handle the likes of, you know, our, our Jake Berger and our stud Romy Gonzalez? <laughs> <laughs> well, with the way Romy's been hitting, who knows? But um, I think Jake Berger is really interesting because I think he has uh, sustained his hitting a lot longer than I expected. Because usually this is about the time that um, pitching coaches will be like, all right, let's get the video to see where his tendencies are and all of that. And they're still trying to pitch him differently based on what they know about him. And he's still hitting the hell out of the ball. So I don't know how they'll approach him. It might be a situation where they just frankly pitch around him and make one of the other hitters try to beat them. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think a lot of people were expecting Jake to just be another your mean. Yeah, yeah. They they figured him out so quickly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he has sustained it really well. And, you know, I adore him. My my Twitter follower, Jake Berger, we're homies. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. So do you have, like, keys for the Marlins to take this series? I think the biggest key for the Marlins is going to be um, really stringing together hits against the, the White Sox and just constantly putting pressure on the pitching. Um, I... I don't think the pitching will have too hard of a time against this offense just because the White Sox offense has been struggling to find consistency. Um, so I I would see these games as being kind of like in the five to four, four to two type of range. And um, really the keys for, for the Marlins are going to be put the pressure on, force early uh, bullpen games, and, and really get to the pitching by, by putting pressure on them. Yeah, that's fair. Do you have like a, a fear though going into this? I know we just talked about Jake and how people haven't figured him yeah. out yet. But I, I think the biggest fear is just um like I said before, the Marlins haven't been incredibly consistent. And I know the White Sox haven't been either, but this is just as easily a series where the White Sox could have figured things out based on their series against the Yankees, and they're just riding high on momentum and it's a total buzzkill for for the Marlins and, and kind of where they're at in their season. So just as much as I think it could go the Marlins way where they have a good shot to, you know, get two of the games, it could absolutely be a sweep because that's kind of how the Marlins have been all year. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, so I know we talked about their pitching has been great. Would yeah. That kind of the biggest threat against the White Sox right now, or do you think there's somebody else that could, or just anything else that could really take the White Sox down? Yeah, I think a lot of it is is definitely their pitching. Um, you know, the Marlins also are just an incredibly athletic team. So even in terms of uh, stolen bases and kind of you know playing the small ball which is a lot of the influence, I would say, from Skip Schumacher, because that's how he played the game when he was with the Cardinals. Um, I, there's a lot of that, and I could see that wreaking havoc on a Sox defense that isn't always as sound as it should be. Um, but I think that those are probably the two areas where, if you know, as a White Sox fan, you're like, all right, th- this is what you want to look out for. 
So who wins this series? Who's your best I- guy? I will always say the Marlins win win the series <laughs> against the White Sox, and I'll probably pick against the White Sox against any of these that we do in the future. But um, yeah, I think I do think the Marlins are better than their record has shown, which is weird to say because they're in a better position than most expected. But unless the pitching matchups, like you said, work out where it's like Kopech and, and Cease or some combination thereof where there might be a better chance of uh, the Sox pulling it off. I see the Marlins winning the series. Yeah, I, I can see that too. <laughs> <laughs> no one is surprised at this point. We're 20 no. episodes in. If you really think that I'm going to like say the White Sox are always going to win it, then you have not been paying any attention <laughs> my to my answers oh so let's break away from you know the pathetic team um that i am here to talk about yours is better what are your thoughts so far just on this season you know we've got a lot of teams that we didn't think would be good that are good for sure we've got teams that you know, we projected or like even pitchers, like I said, Sandy, we all projected that these people were going to be great. Yeah. They are slumping. And even the Mm -hmm. Astros aren't, aren't doing so hot because they, they've lost a lot of their power. They're, they're getting old, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, they're like our age now. So they're getting pretty old. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So where are you at with this season so far? Um, It has been an interesting season. I think that a lot of the teams that I kind of, had on the horizon for next year are actually good now and that applies to the orioles um orioles i i knew were on the right trajectory i actually like the trades that they made at the trade deadline a couple years ago when everyone's like what are they doing why are they getting rid of all their veterans it's like no they have a good core that makes sense but i thought they were at least a year out um same for the um diamondbacks i thought were a year out but they've been phenomenal too um and a lot of fun to watch and then you have teams like the the blue jays which just i i don't know what it is with them but every year you kind of look at the team and it's like this will be the year that they figure it out and they still don't have that it factor and um is surprising as uh alcantara has been for the marlins Alec Manoa has been that guy for me for the AL where I had him as a Cy Young lock for this year because he was just totally locked in. He was even doing well in spring training, and it's like he set a brick wall. Um, So I think there have been a lot of interesting storylines, and it's one of the reasons why, as tempting as it is to just like completely give up on the White Sox, it's hard to because there's been that element of surprise and you know that it doesn't take a lot for these teams to turn it around. But there have also been just as many teams like the Mets or you know even the Padres where it's like they have invested so heavily in these active 26-man rosters, but the injuries just keep piling up and, and they're not able to outpace the number of injuries that they're dealing with. Yeah, with the Mets, I mean, Max has kind of been so hot and cold. Verlander was out yeah. for this time. And yep. Tyler McGill, who we thought was, you know, going to be great. Going to be the guy, yeah. He's been struggling too. But, like, I'm kind of wear egg on my face because while I agree the Orioles, I thought, you know, this this could be their year. I thought, you know, if last year was legit, this, this mm-hmm. is a year that they're going to go pretty far. 
But I also thought the Mariners were going to be that team. And yeah, doing nothing <laughs> right now. I, I don't know. Whatever juice baseballs the rest of the league has, I just don't think they've made it to Seattle yet because I they are putting up some offensive numbers that I don't think I've seen this late into the season. And then on the other extreme, you have Jarrett Kelenic, who's finally figured it out and putting it together. So it's weird. Yeah, I thought like, you know, Julio Rodriguez, especially after watching, you know, All-Star Game and Home Run Derby, yeah. Oh, this is the future of baseball. He's going to be it. The Mariners are just going to totally kick ass next year. And then I was like, oh, no, just kidding. They're not. But, you know, I'm glad that I was at least half right with the Orioles. I knew knew that was going to happen. It's obviously because they have James McCann, one of the best asses in baseball. Um, So that's probably why they're like, that's all their power is James ass probably. Exactly. That's what powers everything. Yeah. Yeah, so you know they're they're so much fun to watch too. I ordered an Oreo. They are. I felt like I felt like I was betraying <laughs> everything because I ordered an Adley Rutschman shirt. Nice. But he's the be- He's so much fun, and he all is. He is like quote. I think you should leave. Yes. Everything he does. So I mean, you can't just not love him. Um, did you see the MLB thing that he did on TikTok where he was the salesman and, and convincing people to buy? Yeah, I mean, it's like you can't watch that and not be a fan. So I, I totally understand. He's so funny. And there's like another, there's a workout video where he's quoting nothing, but I think you should yes. be hearing it. Yeah. And he, he said that he was going to make all of the team watch season two, <laughs> three coming out because everyone was like, what are you talking about? He was like, have you never seen this show? <laughs> and I was like, I know for a fact that several group chats that I'm in just really quote that all the time. All the time. Yes. You know, you and I quote it all the time. Keelan and Jan, like mm-hmm. we all do it constantly. Um, in fact, my like Twitter name right now is a reference to the third season <laughs> about ordering 55 tacos. Yes. Well, you know, you can't not add love badly, but. No. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to shape up to be a really interesting trade deadline in second half of the season because I there are so many teams that not only are legitimately in it, there are a lot of teams that think they're in it, and I think that will add up to either a fury of trades where everybody's trying to make moves to get that next level mm-hmm. or it's just kind of a standoff where everybody is like all right i'm not selling because i might have this five percent chance of you know making it to the playoffs Call for also, yeah we also have one cool <laughs> baseball coming back soon he was driving himself down to kentucky joey Votto. yeah yeah so he's rehabbing so i'm excited he's rehab yeah I'm excited to see what happens there because I know he's kind of no longer the star of the show in Cincinnati. Like it's, it's a lot of younger guys now, but it is, but he is still so much like uh, ingrained Mm -hmm. in that team and that culture. So, I mean, I I think no matter what, whenever, when he comes back, he will be absolutely embraced as he should be. Yeah. I, I hope so. He's like, I know a lot of people obviously think Johnny Bench, and I do too, when you think of the Reds, but modern day people. That, that was how long ago. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> modern day people that aren't familiar with right. Johnny Bench, you know, they, 
they think of the Reds and they think Joey Votto. Exactly. And creepy Mr. Red Legs. It's not the worst mascot, but it's up there. No. Um, according to my daughter, the worst mascot is Bernie Brewer because he kills children on his slide. Wow. Yeah, that's that's, what that's she dark. Said about him during her I need I mean he does have that creepy shed, so I, I get it, but he's scary. Twirly mustache. Yeah, he's. (laughs) I don't know. She was like six doing these rankings, so they probably need updated. But like him and the, you know, Padres creepy mascot. Those were. See that I agree for her. (laughs) No, and that's that just adds up for so many reasons. So I I agree with that one. Maybe it's just like because they are they're people. Maybe that's her disconnect because you know everybody else is charming. All right. That's a lot of mascot talk. Well, thank you so much, Tommy, for coming on, chatting about the Marlins. I'm sure we will chat again. uh, Absolutely. Atlanta series at the very least. And yeah, um, this is your time to tell everybody where to find you and follow you. All right. Well, everyone can find me and follow me at kind of blue B L E U. So it's the French version. Um, I am also always on Southside Sox, either podcasting when I can or writing every other Sunday about um, my really intrusive thoughts about the White Sox and why they suck that particular week. <laughs> it's always it's always great. Uh, also, just read anything Tommy writes because I have to talk him into it quite a bit. But when he does, <laughs> it's always like the best things ever. I'm just like Tommy. No, you're a great writer. Shut up. Um, <laughs> That has been several conversations that we've had. It has been. That's true. Yes. So read what he writes when he does and go follow him. And, you know, thank you, Tommy. Best of luck in this series. All right. Thank you. Yep.